Welcome to another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today we're joined by Dr. Bay Leslie Mosley. Dr. Leslie Mosley is a professor of neurology, the Warren and Germain Magnuson Endowed Chair in Medicine for Neurosciences, the co-director of the Neurosciences Institute, and the chair of the Department of Neurology. And moving forward, I'm going to call you Bay because that's how I normally talk to you. And I, I invited Bay. Thank you so much for coming to join us today. I invited you to talk about a topic that I think people are curious about and, and kind of don't fully understand. And that's the role of philanthropy in all that we do in academic medicine, academic healthcare, and where we as faculty can be involved in philanthropy. So thank you for joining to talk about this topic that we're going to try to demystify a little bit. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation, Trish. Looking forward to it. I think I want to start off kind of just talking about why is philanthropy important and why is it important to partner with our philanthropy team, which I think moving forward, we're going to call it our advancement team because that's the, the name that we use at UW Medicine. So why do you think, why is this important? Let's start with that. So I, I think when you consider our institutional mission and the things that we're all here to achieve, uh, there is the bitter truth that money lies at the heart of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as an institution, we generate most of our revenue from clinical work. There's obviously research grants and the like, but uh, for departments, for faculty directly, those have a variable impact. And so philanthropy represents this large opportunity to partner with our community to fund our efforts in whatever sphere that might be, research and education or clinical care, to achieve our mission more effectively. I think it's an absolutely essential piece of the work that we do here. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate like the fact that like we need money to be able to deliver on the mission that we're striving to achieve as a global institution and also for our individual personal missions that we're striving to, to accomplish. And I also think often we... I, at least when I started thinking about this, I thought about philanthropy when, with respect to supporting research, but I appreciate you saying it supports our education efforts, our clinical care. I, I just worked with Ann Browning on a lot of really grateful donations that supported a bunch of well-being grants. And so it touches so many aspects of what we do uh, in so many ways. It's, it's really important. What is your role? What do you think your role is I'm going to start with you as a leader because I just gave, I just talked about all these titles that you have. So you're obviously a leader in our organization. Um, What's your role as a leader in kind of partnering with our, our advancement team? How do you see that role? So in, in leadership, I think it's a magnified version of what the role of the individual faculty member is. So um, in, As a leader, I'm trying to articulate what our larger vision is. What's the larger direction that we're heading? I'm trying to partner with our advancement team so that they can cascade that message into our potential donor pool as effectively as possible. And I'm trying to be strategic about the things that we we choose to fund and how we explain them to, to donors. The other critical piece that that, uh, I think we play in leadership is supporting philanthropic asks for our faculty and then stewarding our donor pool, showing them our gratitude, keeping them abreast with the developments that their support has allowed to happen. And I think that cannot be underscored enough. 
And then finally, obviously, in, in, in the leadership role, you know, how does our philanthropy fit into the larger universities work? There's a large advancement component here that's university-wide. And so uh, we, we, we're a piece of that. And so I have to, to navigate that space. So I'm going to dig into a bunch of those different things. So So let's talk about how you talk about philanthropy with your faculty. How do you talk about them engaging and partnering with the advancement team? Let, let's start with that one. And then there's a bunch of other things. And I want to definitely get back to gratitude eventually. But let's start with what's your message to your faculty? Well, so much to say on this. So uh, I, I would highlight a couple of things. The first is what you started with, how essential philanthropy is to our mission, right? And how broad a lens we need to bring to what it can do for us. The second is that uh, patients and their families want to help. You know, think how think how disempowering it is to be unwell. And for me, this was really a frame shift change in the early part of my career to think about how it empowers a patient and their family to help you fight the disease, to help you mm-hmm. fight the problem. Right? I think that's a that's a really important message. Um, I think our faculty should be aware, and this is something I emphasize to them, that is always a long game. You know, that, that there's a, a delayed return when it comes to philanthropy work. And I think that often discourages people. They say, gosh, I've been doing this for three months and nothing's happened. I mean, we're talking about a three-year horizon sometimes. Sometimes it's a 10-year horizon. And so you've got to keep that long game in mind. Um, and then, you know, when you think about the donor pool, our, our donors are typically people who will be donating to some. And I often think about the efforts that we make with them as helping them see what else they could be supporting. So it's not that you're taking money that that was going to be in their family otherwise. It's that you're taking money that was going to go to something else that might not be, in your opinion, as impactful uh, as the work that you're doing. Right? And so. Those are important points for our faculty to keep in mind. I like all that framing. So I, I, I'm going to start with the last one, which is people who are donating money, including me when I donate money, though I'm not a large donor, I'm a small donor. We should talk, Trish. We should talk. <laughs> <laughs> but when I have some money that I feel like I can put towards worthy causes and want to support other things, I'm looking for the place where I can have the most effect of the money that I am going to give. And I really like that people are going to give. So now let's explain to them why this is the place that it will make the most impact or difference to give. And and I I think that's helpful because it's not like you're trying to pull money away from people. It's That's the lens that they're coming to the table with. I really like that. And also really like the part where it's true. I have had in the ICU, I know you work in the ICU too. I've had numerous people bring in lots of food to thank their healthcare teams over and over again. I remember one time I got two dozen whoopie pies from a family, but I gotten lots of interesting food over the years. But that food is just that same mentality of, I want to say thank you for the really important things you're doing for the person that I care about or for me. And I feel that way about my healthcare team, to be honest too. So I, I do think that gratitude is very real and trying to to embrace that and say, how do we help the next phase is really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the, 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 I, I see philanthropy for our faculty as a partnership, right? They're partnering with the donor and the donor's family. And so um, we in clinical medicine are really fortunate in that we actually have a big pool of people who are potential donors, right? We have grateful patients. And, uh, and those relationships are so key. 
And so I think having a strong relationship is, is, a, is a, the most important first step. The other thing that I would highlight for our faculty uh, is that, you know, your job as faculty is to articulate what you will do with money. It's not to ask for money. That's really the job of our advancement team. Think about your role as saying, this is where I want, this is where we are, this is where I want to go, and this is why we can go there here, right? That, that, that's really what the, what the pressure is on you as a faculty so the partnership with the philanthropy team or the advancement team is in the articulating that vision of what their support would allow you to achieve in terms of your research or your education or your clinical care. Um, and I just want to highlight that, that that is a partnership and that the, the ask often is really, or most of the time, the advancement team. And not because only, I think people feel uncomfortable about asking people for money. I, I think that's, I just want to say that's normal for a lot of people to feel that way. And yet, that's also a skill set that people have. And we're partnering with people who have more skills than us sometimes in stepping into those spaces and doing it with skill and grace. And so I, I think mm. it's an important partnership. I don't know. That, that's kind of how I think about it. I, I, I love that framing, the, the, the idea of advancement, having a skill set that's distinct from some of our skill sets and, and using that as a, as a team approach. I also think it takes a little pressure off our faculty because I'm I honestly I'm yet to meet a member of, of our physician pool who said I love asking my patients for money right uh, there's a relationship there you, you you're taking care of them that's not a comfortable space and that discomfort discourages I think a lot of people from pursuing potential advancement opportunities otherwise but that's why there's an advancement team you just need to explain what your vision is what's the money going to do. So if a, pa if a patient, if a faculty member or a clinician has a patient or a family that they're caring for, that they either have a relationship or are developing a relationship, and they think this might be somebody who is a grateful patient who would be a donor, what is your advice to them in terms of to whom should they reach out or wh what do they do in that moment? Mm. So, so we, we have a very capable advancement team here at the university, and the team will be more than happy to provide individual faculty with a couple of conversation starters, right? A couple of icebreaker lines. I think it's important that we view our, our seniors or leaders as uh, potential conduits as well. So it might be your section chief, it might be your division chief, it might be your chair. But if you say, you know, I think that this is an individual who's interested in helping and uh, this is what I'd like to do if they were interested in helping, that initial approach can be made by someone who is not you. It's a little bit harder for the advancement team sometimes, but they can they can uh, give you guidance about that. But you can certainly have one of your senior leaders make an approach and just say, look, Dr. So-and-so is doing great work. She's an amazing member of the faculty. Um, I'd love to tell you more about this if you're interested. The nice thing about that is that if the donor is not interested, you haven't bruised your relationship with them as a provider in any way. But involving advancement early is, is a really important thing. Um, getting their guidance about how an approach should look and how your vision is worded and, and could be improved, could be clarified. Um, and then giving them the necessary time. Uh, I'm always interested at, at how we're all so busy, right? But from an ROI standpoint, this is a really good investment of faculty time. And so giving your advancement team the necessary time and the necessary attention, being responsive to their requests and suggestions, 
that's a critical piece of being successful in doing this. Yeah, you've kind of hit that message a bunch of times, and I'm just going to pull it out a little bit. Like, first of all, you said, you know, this isn't going to necessarily happen overnight. It's relationship building. This is relationship building. And it sounds like the other part of that is developing that relationship with your advancement partner so that you're giving them the time they need to kind of figure this out with you and then continuing to have that relationship with the potential donors. So you get to know each other and kind of move forward and they get to understand the vision better and better. So I do think this is an investment of time that takes several maybe steps to get to a place where there's actually, as you said, a return on that investment. Yeah, could could I could I just add to that? Please. You know, uh, my I work with the uh, with an excellent team, Martha Lundberg and Courtney Stringer, the core of it, Jeannie and Melanie and Don uh, Theophilus and Becca now, just a, an incredible team. Martha uh, once said something to me, which which I have echoed to my faculty over and over, which is that advancement are like heat seeking missiles, and so if you are uh, an engaged faculty who's interested in getting additional support, who um, is is responsive and active, you're going to get more attention uh, because we don't have advancement resources to cover every single individual in this institution, right? And so think about that as a faculty member in the way that you that you approach it. I want to go back to this part where you said, as a leader, sometimes you step in and you sing the praises or highlight the work or the you know, potential opportunity of supporting the work of one of your faculty members. Is that something you've done yet in your role as a chair? Yeah, so so uh, donor approaches can be strategic or they can be opportunistic. And I think uh, we're typically set up for the more opportunistic where a patient will say something like, you know, I'd love to help. Is there anything I can do to, to contribute? And we as faculty are attuned to that and engage our advancement partners at that point. I would like us to think about it in a, in a, a slightly more organized way. Mm-hmm. And the question is, what does that actually look mm-hmm. like? And so for our department, what we're, what we're piloting here is identifying potential donors from a patient pool. Mm. So you say, if we're looking at this particular subspecialty, these are the, the last six months of clinic visits, and these 10 people have the greatest capacity. And then, you know, it's hard to boast about yourself. It's very easy for someone else to boast about you, especially with the caliber of faculty we have at the University of Washington. And so having a division head or a chair make that outreach and and uh, extol your virtues mm-hmm. and sort of test the water is a very, um, to me, a very sensible first step, right? The, the, there's the gravitas of someone more senior doing the outreach um, there's the the lack of, as I say, tarnishing of the of the provider relationship that we're so eager to protect, and there's the guidance from advancement about what that message should be. All of that's encapsulated in a model like that. Um, if the donor is interested, then to get the faculty member involved as early as possible is important because it's all about their relationship. That's why they're interested. They have a relationship with the provider, right? But you've taken that initial step to make that that interface. And you've separated it from their clinical experience, right? Now you're talking about something a little different. It's not the clinic visit. You would never want to ask about things like this in a clinic visit, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I, I like the idea of keeping that a separate interaction. Yeah, that that resonates with me. And I think the part 
it is really easy to sing the praises of other people. I feel like that's what I do the most. They <laughs> talk about how many great faculty we have and all the great things they do. And it's actually a really gr- like gratifying part of my job. I know it's a gratifying part of your job. It's so much team. fun, yeah. isn't it? We have amazing people yeah. there. And so that is, a. I, I really like that. And then if you're the faculty member whose praises have been sung, if then there is some potential to partner with advancement with your patient, that's when I think you need to be a partner in that ongoing work. So if someone says, hey, now we need you on board, then I think it's finding the time to meet with advancement and think how you move forward. Is that right? That's exactly how I see it, yeah. Yeah, I I do think there are times when people, patients and families do say, hey, I'd really like to do something to support the work you're doing. And, and what's your advice to, to faculty members if someone says that to them in real time? Express excitement about their interest and say, let's have a conversation about this and uh, circle back to have that conversation at a separate time with your advancement partners in attendance. Yeah, I think that's exactly how I think of it as well. It's like you want to get the experts involved. You want to be excited that they offered and get the experts involved. And I, I tested this out with our advancement team before I said this, but in my world, I think of it like organ donation. And, and I and I let me share my thoughts on this for one second. I take care of patients and I know you take care of patients who, because of whatever has happened in their lives, are potential donors of organs. And families in those situations often want to donate organs and patients have said they want to be donors of organs. And our relationship as the critical care team is to take care of the patient in front of us. And we also want to facilitate that donation, but we engage our life center partners to have those more nuanced conversations about that because they're the experts in that space. And we facilitate those conversations and support people through them. So I know that maybe for some people who don't live in the world of critical care, that doesn't sound like super um, op, you know, happy, but it actually is very similar where you're partnering and and really supporting people, but also bringing in the strengths of people who do the do that that work day to day, and you know, are skilled at it. Yeah, I, I like that analogy very much. I think that's that's very apt. Get the experts in, get them in quickly, right? So you you'd go from that clinic visit to your email, you send a message to your advancement team to say, "I just met with so and so, and they're interested in, and I'd like to, I'd like to set a meeting up to talk about things with them a bit more." Now, of course, this presupposes that you already have formed in your mind a sense of what your articulated vision is, right? And that's, that's where the faculty need, I think, to sit and think for a while. What is it that I would use support for? What's my compelling uh, indication? Yeah, and I would encourage our faculty to have thought about that just because it fits in with their personal mission of what they want to do as a member of our community. And I know we don't all feel like we have time to do that. So thinking about that over time is really helpful. And again, I think that speaks to the individual. And I really want to emphasize what you said about it's also important for us to have a large scale systematic approach to how we do this as well. So relevant to that, do you have any particular goals going forward and how you are going to partner with the advancement team and kind of prioritize philanthropic efforts? Yeah, so we we meet uh, on a very regular basis, once a week, uh, at least we text frequently. And um, we have some big, some big picture philanthropic asks at the departmental or neuroscience mm-hmm. level. This is an incredibly exciting time. And so to be able to communicate that excitement and why it's an exciting time and what the implications are. I mean, these are implications for the future of humanity, 
these aren't just you know disease specific things. Think about healthy aging. We all want to age in a healthy way, right? These are big, big ticket sort of uh, sort of opportunities. And uh, as I said about our team being amazing, we really um, try to set up a, a range of forums and opportunities. I've been here for uh, just two years, actually, and last month was two years. And in these two years, I've really focused on that relationship building, trying to meet people that are relevant to these these opportunities, trying to establish relationships with them, explain what we're doing. And uh, I think that's all been going uh, very successfully. First of all, I can't believe you've been here two years. But <laughs> second of all, secondly, I can tell why you're good at this, because the phrase the future of humanity is very powerful. And yet, as I listen to you, you mean it. And I think that that storytelling, I mean, I think we win hearts with storytelling. And I think being able to tell the story of what the impact of this gift would be is really important. I can see why you're you are good at it. And then again, that through throw that I've heard, all conversation is really relationship building, relationship building, relationship building, um, which I think comes naturally to a lot of us because that's part, you know, a big part of why we went into medicine or healthcare. Okay, I think we've covered a ton, and and I really feel like it's great to talk about this. I don't think we talk about it that much. I think we we hope there's someone who gives us a million dollars or. $10 million or a billion dollars all the time, but we don't talk about what this actually means. So I appreciate this as kind of an, an entry into this space. I'm wondering if there's any other kind of pearls or thoughts that you want to share with people as they think about philanthropy, the value of philanthropy, partnering with advancement, et cetera. I would just uh, highlight the importance of your expressed gratitude and your stewardship if you are successful in obtaining philanthropic support. I think that that is uh, an underestimated but absolutely critical piece of this because often donors want that longer-term partnership. They want a serial relationship and they're, they're interested in more contributions to come. But if you haven't stewarded or shepherded their initial gift well, if they don't feel like it was a partnership to begin with, they feel taken advantage of in any way, if they feel like it wasn't used to the intent that you intend, that, that you had expressed, all of those things will fracture that trust and will limit what that relationship can actually become. I think it is so gratifying for the donor and the person who's the recipient of that donation to, to have that opportunity. And so we've talked a lot about how you, you would engage with the donor and how you'd engage with your advancement team. I think equally important is to start thinking about what does that stewardship look like? And there's some very simple things. I mean, um, I would I would highlight the idea of uh, holiday communications, mm. right? Happy New Year. Uh, I'd highlight the points about uh, of just regular updates. You know, some some folks that have uh, physician scientist roles have a lab newsletter, mm. and they when they bring new people in, or they have a new collaboration, or they publish a paper. They'll 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 put that out and they'll send that out to all the people that support them in the lab, right? Donors love tours. They love coming in and seeing the work. Again, to that partnership, they want to be part of this. They feel it. And so if you can have them come in and see the spaces they're supporting and meet the people they're supporting, that's a really, really powerful thing. And then obviously invitations to to any of the of the larger events, departmental events or gatherings or things like that. Um, and so so just to be really intentional about how you are expressing that gratitude, uh, I think that that kind of bear enough emphasis. I'm so glad you brought that up because I meant to come back to that and fell off my, my radar. So I'm really glad you brought it back. Uh, a couple things. One is, Gratitude is actually good for us too. I, I 
have said this before, probably on this Thrivecast, that I end each week by writing. Sometimes it's a thank you note. Sometimes it's just a congratulatory note and telling people that I'm so glad they're a part of our community. But that gratitude is a great way for me to end my week. So I think that part about gratitude is actually good for us in addition to being positive for the for the person who's supporting us or donating. Um, but I heard gratitude, but I heard more that was like, engage them. Tell them what you're doing. Show the impact. If it's your science, tell about the science. If it's your education, tell about your learners and what they're doing. If it's your clinical care, talk about who you've been able to help and serve and partner with and care. Um, for Anne's well-being grants, we're talking about telling the stories of how those grants have impacted the healthcare team and how it allows them to continue to take care of patients and families in a really positive way. So that sharing of stories and, and impact of the work that you're doing because of their gift seems really particularly important. I also love the idea of inviting them to be a part of things. And so I'm intrigued by that as well. For you, what's the most gratifying part of all of this? Oh, I think without a doubt, seeing our faculty doing the things that they want to do and seeing the impact that has on patients. I think without a doubt, that is the most gratifying. Yeah, and I, I think that that kind of brings us full circle, which is the whole reason that we want to, to, to partner is so that we can advance our science, our education, our clinical care. And that brings us joy because it's the thing that we want to do. And it, it brings that greater impact to many, many more people. So I do think this is a really important space. It's great to start talking about it. And I really appreciate your willingness to kind of dive into a space that, like you said, sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. And and like, how do we get past that so that this is like a really positive thing as we move forward? Yeah, absolutely. And Trish, thanks, thanks so much for the Thrivecast as an idea and for what you've been doing with the faculty. I'm really thrilled I got to participate with you today. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. So thank you so much for joining. Uh, I'm sure the listeners will have taken a lot out of this conversation as I did. And I'll say to everyone, if they want to listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can always find them at the UW Medicine, UW School of Medicine faculty website, faculty.udubmedicine.org. Thanks for listening and have a great day.